0: The in depth podcast with Richard Harding.
1: Welcome along to the latest in depth podcast with a hoodie blowing outside and a festive spirit inside a, a town cafe. And I'm very pleased to welcome back the president of policy and resources, Gavin St. Pierre. Welcome along. Uh, good morning. Now, uh, discussions with nurses over pay uh, have broken down, that there could be industrial action on the card. Is, is there any more that PNR can do at this stage? Well, it's a deeply frustrating situation that we're as employer
0: are dealing with um, with four unions and, and I think one union in particular, the uh, Royal College of Nursing, seems to be taking a very different line, uh, which is making, it, is making it challenging. But clearly we do have the industrial disputes law in Guernsey, which is clearly very different from the industrial... Um, uh, legislation which applies uh, in the UK and we are now in dispute um, which is a a legal term that's been registered between employer and, uh, and, and the employee representatives and we need to follow that process so I think um, uh, p- policy and Resources have uh, shown great flexibility uh, through 2019 in in the negotiations in responding to uh, a very significant uh, um, uh, request for an increase in pay for nurses. Um, and, and what is currently on the table, um, which is a, uh, a 5% increase from the 1st of January and a, 5%, a further 5% increase from the 1st of September, so actually a compound increase of 10.25% for 2019 is is, is very significant and, and obviously that would take us through uh, to the end of, of 2020 and, and allow time for the very significant piece of work that needs to be undertaken uh, in relation to the review of, of all the terms and conditions for all the pay groups because I think we have to recognise in talking to the nurses there are significant implications for other pay groups in, in what we're talking about and it's, it's all very well for uh, for one union to, um, to do what it feels is best for its members but as employer we've got to think about all the other pay groups as well.
1: So in other words there'll be a, a clamour for extra pay from many different sectors potentially?
0: Yeah, and I think it's recognising that that um, there are um, d- discrepancies uh, and disparities in, in pay which have bu- been built up over a significant period of time between different uh, different pay groups and people working in different areas, um, and that isn't going to be resolved. Um, even with the best wood in the world, uh, overnight or even over the short term, it does require... Uh, significant uh, time uh, to, to enable that change to take place and that, that's the work that's been going on for the last year in terms of, of pulling all of that data together um, a policy letter will, be, letter will be coming to the states in March of 2020 looking for states approval uh, and sanction to move on to the next stage so um, this is a work in progress and uh, to, 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 the reality is, is it can't be pushed any faster than it can be pushed
1: very interesting ideas come to the fore um, over the last couple of weeks of uh, introducing electric aircraft to, to the islands. I don't know if you've heard about this project and what you think about it.
0: Yeah, I read about it in the national media um, a couple of months ago, actually, and I think it is interesting, particularly, of course, as it's being led with an aircraft to the islander um, built by Britain Norman, which is, is obviously familiar to the, to the islands. I I mean, and again, on the face of it, it seems uh, it seems ideal, doesn't it, for um, for the islands which are so close together? Um, The distances are such that it it would appear to be a technology that could well be deployed uh, here in the islands. I mean, clearly, um, there is quite a long way to go. I would suggest, in terms of, of not only developing the technology, but obviously getting all the right. Uh, safety approvals and all the rest of it that would be required before this could be used on um, on, on passenger aircraft. But no, I wish I wish all of those uh, people involved in that that project uh, great success, and, and uh, we'll look forward to it coming to the islands
1: if um, if appropriate. Is this so- something that the states could support you know financially in any way? Well, uh, I mean, let's be very clear: um, governments are never n- are never very
0: good at picking winners um, when it comes to these things, and, and uh, we don't. Uh, Necessarily have all of those um, uh, skills and judgments within uh, the public service to make those judgments, and that, of course, is precisely why um, a year or so ago we uh, invested into the Guernsey Investment Fund, the innovation um, uh, and uh, cell, which uh, which is 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 there to enable those judgments to be made, but not by people in government. So, effectively, it detaches. Uh, those those judgments from uh, from politicians and civil servants, and gives it to to professional um, uh, managers who've got experience of that of the technology and the and, and the area to be able to. to, to to make a more ed- more informed judgment as to whether a particular idea is going to succeed or, is going to succeed or not, so I think it's really uh, whether that's available to to um, those who may be interested. I don't know, but it, th- that's a conversation they need to be having with the fund, not with government.
1: It's been said that Alderney costs Guernsey taxpayers uh, three thousand pounds a year in subsidy for every man, woman, and child. Uh, do you think that is sustainable, or should it all be re looked at?
0: Well, I think we have to start from the point that we uh, we have an agreement which was settled in 1948 after the war which provides a relationship between uh, Guernsey and Alderney uh, in return for the receipt of certain revenues, Guernsey provides certain services, particularly in relation to education, home and and health Um, Now, what has happened in that 70-year period is, is first of all, it was never intended to last 70 years. It was only ever envisaged to be a temporary uh, temporary fix, and it's obviously become more embedded than that. But also other services have, have, if you like, been grafted on, some intentionally, some unintentionally, and some just by the development of the way services have evolved. You know, have become more... um, uh, the greater burden has, has been taken on as a result. But I think so. I think we do have to review the 1948 agreement, which is agreed by both islands. And I think we need to step back and say, okay, well, which, what bits of the agreement are working well, and what 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 bits are, are being supplied, which are no long, which are not within that agreement, and what are we going to do about it? So um, I, I don't think, um, uh, and, and it's really requiring um, both Guernsey and Alderney to. Uh, Redetermine, if you like the, the relationship they want to have with each other so I'm not necessarily saying it, it is unsustainable but I think it has to be done within the context of an agreement that everybody ha- is happy is, is fit for the 21st century and uh, something that was written 70 years ago uh, at the end of the, world, uh, the Second World War uh, I think is probably no longer fit for purpose
1: now, you were against a business case being prepared into whether to lengthen the runway uh, following the racket last month. It's uh, now going to be happening. How do you feel about this uh, sort of flip-flopping in decision? Uh, I, um, it's profoundly
0: depressing, I think, that the states should have redebated the question of the runway I think three or even four times during this, uh, this um, uh, four-year state's term. And, of course, we're not even through the four years yet. Um, and, of course, it had only debated the lengthening of the runway seven, uh, seven months ago before the latest decision. So I think that's the, the most regrettable part of this decision is that it's, um, it, it is that the, the, I think there is a responsibility on on politicians, uh, if they lose an argument, to lose gracefully and to say, "Okay, uh, I I am in a minority on this, I I may not have changed my mind, I may still believe that I'm right and everybody else is wrong, but actually I have to accept that, that that is the decision of the majority um, at least for this term. And, and if it's to be looked at, it's to be looked at in the future, not now. And, uh, and so it's a shame. Uh, I think the numbers, um, uh, the 360000 which is up to 360000 that it's purporting to cost, uh, is unsupported. I don't know whether it'll be more or less than that. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just a regrettable decision. But it is now one that's been made. So um, now that... Uh, I am in the minority, albeit by,
1: by one vote. Um, we have to follow that decision. Professor Catherine State's PNR government's review was very complimentary about uh, the membership of, of the committee, but it suggested the system of government should be looked at to make it more effective. Um, well, what, what do you see as, uh, do you, especially? Do you agree with uh, Professor State's report, and um, what do you think would be the best system? Well, Professor State's
0: report is, is hers. I mean, she, she is independent. Um, she took evidence from a whole load of uh, individuals that, that uh, she chose to speak to um, rather than, than any that were given to her. So the, the conclusions are hers and hers alone. Um, in relation to her comments a, a, about the system of government, um, I... I... I, I have sympathy with the conclusions she's reached. From policy and resources perspective, we are accepting all the recommendations um, and do believe that we, we need to think about how we uh, go about implementing them. Now, some of that, that does, does touch on the system of government that will need to be considered, I guess, particularly by the next uh, policy and resources uh, committee. Um, but there are some, uh, ultimately... I remain of the view that any system of government is dependent on the people within it and that's actually the most significant factor rather than the architecture itself uh, and that, that is perhaps one of the things that, that needs, needs to always be remembered.
1: Now there have concerns that the amount of candidates um, are allowed to spend on campaigning for the le- election gives an unfair advantage to wealthier candidates, um, so what are your thoughts on that? I've got quite a lot of sympathy for the States' Assembly and Constitution Committee on, on this in
0: terms of putting their recommendations to the states. They're now facing a number of amendments against this. This, this to me, feels a little bit like uh, the issue of states' deputies' pay. Um, the, I, I suspect there is no right answer, and, and whatever um, whatever recommendation is put uh, will be criticised by, by by somebody. Uh, and uh, the, the challenge, I think, with this is... is um, getting the balance right between not allowing any given individual or group of individuals to, if you like, be seen to buy an election victory by flooding um, the uh, electoral market with their message and through advertising or whatever. In other words, spending a lot of money in order to get their profile up versus the challenge of allowing people, particularly new candidates, um, to make themselves known. And I think you also have to recognise that The methodology that is being recommended by SAC, which is a single, um, uh, if you like, collective or collation of everybody's manifestos into one big booklet may not be something that any individual candidate wishes to use and, and I think in a democratic system um, a candidate would be should be perfectly entitled to say I don't want to have anything to do with that government system, I want to communicate it in my own way with the electorate so I think getting that balance right is really tough um, and, and uh, my instinct is that, that SAC uh, probably have found um, a, a sensible compromise through but, but I will listen to the debate
1: now, a working group, which includes p has been looking at how to improve relations between states members and civil servants. Uh, how do you think the, rela- the working relationship is and, and what improvements could be made?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is a constant tension, of course, between the, the elected and, and, and the unelected and the, the clear demarcation of, of, of lines of responsibility and roles and accountability. Um, and, and, again, I don't think it's unique to our system of government. I think it exists in any democratic uh, any democratic system. I think there have been some tensions in this term, particularly around um, the way in which particular senior civil servants are appointed and uh, performance managed and so on. Um, But a working party has been set up following a state's resolution a few months ago. That work is ongoing. Um, It's being led by a member of Policy and Resources, Deputy Jonathan Latoc, together with uh, being assisted by uh, Deputy Heidi Salisbury and Deputy Michelle Leclerc, who were the ones who brought the amendment that led to the resolution, and I'm very happy to let that work continue. Uh, I think it's in, it's approaching it in the right way, which is uh, consulting with members and um, uh, and dealing with it in a methodical and logical way. So I, I, I wish them luck in that work.
1: So looking back over the year, what have been your highlights and and maybe lowlights of the past year in terms of you know things that have gone well and things that haven't gone so well. I think the
0: uh, I mean many of the highlights have perhaps been externally related and, and, and to some extent a little bit below the ri- radar on the domestic agenda, but uh, I think in March last year we had the uh, ruling from the European Council of Finance Ministers that uh, uh, that, that meant that we were effectively whitelisted um, as a financial services jurisdiction, and I think that, that is incredibly important and shouldn 't be underestimated um, in terms of Perhaps another way of looking at it is if that ruling hadn't gone that way and had gone another way, it would have been a very different and a very different year in terms of, of the need to respond to that. So there was that. I think the uh, the decision in relation to the um, the World Trade Organization uh, membership uh, uh, under the UK again is important as we look ahead into 2020 and, and, and beyond in terms of a post, potentially a post-Brexit world. Uh, and the need to uh, to, uh, to obtain that as well. Um, and I think also, for me, for me personally, a highlight was uh, the pride of being able to represent the island at the Cenotaph in November and that, in turn, the recognition of the island uh, in its own right uh, at, a, you know, at a very important national event um, and, and the profile for the island and its self-government uh, I, I think is important and, and hopefully will set us up well for the future as well
1: any challenges though that uh, thinks you would have liked to have gone better
0: yeah i think the uh, i mean we, we you've touched on uh, professor state's report in relation to policy and resources in a sense it, the her, her reports on governance have been a, perhaps a high and a low of of two thousand and nineteen um, the high of uh, the the the, the um, Recognition of of those reports by the, the by a number of committees, the fact that they they've, that they've been embraced, and that the uh, yeah. the understanding of governance is, is has clearly been recognised in those uh, committees, and then equally um, on the, the the flip side has been the fact that they, that uh, her work has been resisted, uh, and uh, you know clearly a significant uh, criticism about the level of understanding of what good governance looks like. So I think in a sense that. Uh, the, 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 that work you know, it sits on both sides of the equation as being both a high and a low for for 2019.
1: What are your hopes for the coming year, as far as going to politics is concerned? Obviously, the election coming up. Yeah, I mean, I think the election clearly is going to be the major political
0: event for 2020. And uh, I mean, my hopes, I guess, are that the uh, island wide voting system um, is uh, is a success in terms of its uh, its rollout and that that it is embraced by uh, the public um, and and that the some of the challenges with it in terms of um, each individual voter needing to think about whether to exercise up to 38 votes. Uh, are, man- are handled in a, in a manageable way uh, and in particular that the, the end result which is really ultimately what, what's key is, is, is it produces a new states of deliberation next July which is one that is capable of uh, working together in our consensus system of government um, to, to deliver more effective
1: government and I think that would be uh, a very good result for 2020. Now, um, how will you be spending Christmas? Because uh, we're coming up to the Christmas. as the last time we'll be talking before then. And uh, also, have you got a message uh, for Islanders for Christmas?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Christmas for me will be at home with, uh, with family, with close family, uh, and it'll be a time of, uh, uh, of relaxation. And I'm sure you know, that'll be the same for, for many Islanders. I suppose... Uh, my message is um, we have to recognise that whilst that, uh, uh, Christmas is a time of great joy and relaxation for most or even the, the majority of, of us, of course it is, it is difficult for many people as well. There's the, the pain of, of loss that may have been experienced during the year or at that, uh, that time of year uh, or being alone. And I think um, it, it, it's a message, I guess, for all of us to remember and think about those people that, that uh, are having... A difficult Christmas, but I think uh, my overriding message would be to uh, to relax and to wish everybody a, a very uh, happy and healthy um, 2020.
1: And are you optimistic for next
0: year? I, I am a naturally optimistic person, so I am always uh, more likely to be more optimistic than pessimistic. But no, genuinely, I am. Uh, I am optimistic. I think the island is is well placed um, in uh, in terms of its. Uh, in terms of its economy, its politics, its position in the world. Um, And yes, of course, we have some significant challenges, uh, both domestically and externally, uh, and I don't wish to to, um, uh, diminish those at
1: all. But I think we're well-placed to to address those. So I am uh, confident that uh, that 2020 will be a good year. Deputy Gavin St-Pierre, thanks very much for joining us uh, this time and throughout the year, and uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too. You've been listening to the In-Depth Podcast with Richard Harding.